Adopt a simple habit. Every single morning, I do a very simple thing. I write down five things that I want. That's it. When I start my day, after I get up when the alarm rings, I make my bed, I pull on my exercise clothes, I set an intention, I high five myself in the mirror, I then go out into the kitchen, I crack open my high five journal, and then inside the journal there are prompts that walk me through the steps of visualizing. And the first prompt is dream with the lid off. Set your spirit free. Write down five things every morning that you want. And this is important because when you get what you want out of your head and you physically put them on a piece of paper, research shows that you're 42% more likely to achieve those goals simply by writing them down. That's pretty cool. Secondly, your mind is paying attention. And when you take deliberate action and you write down what you want, you are signaling to your brain that you deserve to have these things. You are signaling to your brain that you do want those things. You're not just gonna think about them. These are things that matter to you. And that helps train your mind to allow you to let the desires flow through you. Because right now, you're not manifesting properly because you're not even allowing yourself to dream with the lid off. So that's step number one. You're gonna start writing down five things that you want every single morning as a way to train your mind to let you dream freely. Need motivation? You better watch a top 10 with Believe Nation. Hey, it's Evan Carmichael, and I make these videos because you are probably the most ambitious person in your circle, but you know you're capable of more, and you get that push by surrounding yourself with the best. So today, let's learn from one of the best, Mel Robbins, and my take on her top 10 rules of success. Enjoy. Rule number two, high five your own reflection. We all know that we need to love ourselves, right? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What is the action that you take? Yeah. We all know we're supposed to accept ourselves. We all know we're supposed to uh, have self-esteem and self-worth and self-validation and self-confidence. How do you build it? And, you know, the other thing is, is that we also are looking outside ourselves for confirmation, validation, affirmation of those things. And so how do you relocate the source of your self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, self-validation within yourself so that you're in control of it? Big idea, right? So uh, let me tell you the story about how I discovered this because it was not like a, oh, how do I have another high five moment? You know, mm. I get fired from my talk show and I uh, am essentially fired from my dream job. I then start having speech after speech after speech after speech cancel. Then Houghton Mifflin cancels my contract for my next book and asks for me to return money that I've long spent. And why'd they cancel it? Because Just because of pandemic related. They laid off there are two reasons. First of all, they were they were laying off 45% of the staff, but more importantly, let me take responsibility. I was a year late on right. delivering a manuscript. Okay, okay so let's be honest. I up yet again. Yeah. I ghosted my publisher and they fired my ass. Um, as they should. A long play to ghost your publisher, <laughs> right? I'm gonna spend your money and then ghost yeah. you. Um, but I found myself again in this like familiar place, having sort of echoes back to a decade ago of, oh my God, are we in financial freefall again? Like, 
is this ride over? Mm-hmm. Kids come I mean, home. You did like a hundred speeches in a year or prior to that yep. or prior to the show. Yep. And then took a pay cut to do the show. Yep. And look, I, I've been saving money. I've been very smart about, about money now that I've made it. We've paid back all of our debt, something we're both really, really proud of. Um, and at the same time, when the shit hits a fan in your life, your old things will get triggered. And mm-hmm. what got triggered for me is I'm about to lose it all again. Right. Meanwhile, just like everybody else on the planet, your kids come home and it's both a blessing and a horror show to have your children in a state of distress as the world is in distress. And I just started to feel overwhelmed. And there was this one morning where um, I walked into the bathroom and I was standing in my underwear, brushing my teeth in front of the mirror. And I looked up at the mirror and my first thought was, ugh. I noticed that my jowls were starting to look like saddlebags on a pack horse at the Grand Canyon. (laughs) And uh, I had like these crazy lines by my eyes and my neck was really like kind of saggy and one boob was hanging lower than the other and my gray hair was coming in and I and as soon as I started kind of critiquing my thoughts or my my looks and appearance then my mind rich started going I didn't get that email back to that person and I got that presentation I need to do and my god did that speech just cancel again what the am I gonna and I look down and the dog needs to be walked and then I think I got a zoom call in nine minutes like I gotta get my and before I knew it my whole mood was low. I felt overwhelmed. I had taken myself down mentally. I just wanted somebody to walk in and be like, Mel, you got, it's going to be okay. Like, you got this, girl. Like, mm-hmm. it's lift your head up. You can handle this. I don't know what came over me, Rich. This is pathetic. But standing there in my underwear in front of my bathroom sink, I raised my hand and high five my reflection. And I cracked a smile because it's so corny. I even thought of that guy, Stuart Smiley from the SNL skip. Mm-hmm. So remember that I'm nice, I'm kind, yeah. people like me. Went on with my day. That was it. Snapped a photo though. No, not that one. Oh, not that one. Mm-mm. Not the first time. And then I kept doing it. I did it probably for a week or two. And here's the weird thing about it. I started when I woke up after doing this high five your own reflection in the mirror thing, I actually started to feel like I was looking forward to it. And here's why. You know, I've spent a lifetime just like you standing in front of the mirror. And what I realize now is that when I'm standing in front of a mirror, I'm either critiquing Mm -hmm. or picking myself apart or I'm ignoring myself. And when you start to high five your own reflection, it starts to build a partnership within you with yourself. When you walk into the bathroom and you see your reflection and you've been greeting it, it's like seeing another person. It's the strangest thing. You start to realize how often you ignore or destroy yourself when you see yourself or beat yourself up. And here's what's also crazy. You have a lifetime, and this is where the science gets wacky, and I'm going to hit you with so much science because this stuff is so cool. You have a lifetime positive association with high-fiving other people. Mm -hmm. Sure. As a runner, as a racer, you have gotten so many high-fives, Rich. What does a high-five say to you when somebody gives you one? You feel seen, you feel 
appreciated, you feel energized by it. And it's, a, it's an exchange of energy. It's not the same, and you talk about this in the book, it's not the same as like self-talk because there's a participation involved in it. There's like a communion yes. aspect to it. Yeah. And you know, if you think about it, you're so good at celebrating, seeing, and cheering for other people in your life. You plan birthday parties, you reach out to people when you're worried about them, you help out colleagues, you cheer for your favorite sports teams, you high five people like Rich as they're running races past you, you buy people's merchandise, you do all kinds of stuff for other people, but nobody's taught you how to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. In fact, the reason why it feels weird to high five your own reflection is because you've been taught to do the opposite. Rule number three, find a mantra you believe in. The reason why those positive, I love myself, I'm happy with who I am, I accept myself. The reason why those mantras don't work in the beginning is because your brain rejects it. You've spent a lifetime trashing your body, trashing yourself, telling yourself you're stupid, telling yourself that you're not good enough, telling yourself that nothing's ever going to work out for you. There is no way that you're going to be able to stand in front of a mirror, everybody, look yourself in the eye and say, today's the day that I'm going to forget all that stuff. And I'm just going to accept myself. And the reason why it's not going to work is because all day long, you then continue to beat yourself up. And so what does work? Well, I'm going to read from chapter seven of my New York Times bestselling book, The High Five Habit. The place where we left off for those of you is page 91, where we were talking about training your mind to change the way that it views the world, intentionally training your mind to help you. <clears throat> and this is an important thing to learn how to do because if your mind is going to accept new ways of thinking and new beliefs about you, you must also train your mind to start to see the world differently. And so you can do the exercises that I'm teaching you in conjunction with what I'm about to teach you about mantras. So mistake number one, when it comes to you trying to become a more positive person and when you are trying to change the way that you talk to yourself, is you pick a mantra that you do not at your core believe, okay? You pick something that is the antithesis of how you actually believe it yourself. And so the mistake number one that you're making when it comes to mantras is that you're picking a mantra that is so far away from where you are that your mind immediately rejects it. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that you pick a mantra that is simply just you repeating a statement that is the exact opposite of how you speak to yourself and how you treat yourself all day long. And so, you know, let me just talk about this on a common sense standpoint. Let's say that you really want to become healthier, okay? How many of you want to become healthier, right? And you know all the things you need to do. How many of you want to become healthier and you know the specific actions you need to take in order to become healthier, right? Of course you know what to do. You know that you could eat better food. You know that you could get more sleep. You know that you could move your body a little bit more. You know that you could drink more water. You know that you could lay off the booze and the fatty, starchy foods. All those little actions would add up to a much healthier you. Are you with me? Yes, of course you're with me. Okay, so knowing what to do is the easy part. Knowing kind of what you want. 
That's the easy part. The problem with sticking to those changes is that your own negative self-talk trashes you all day long. And the negative self-talk, I'm so fat, oh, there I go again, I said I wouldn't have dessert, but I did. Oh, I said I wouldn't drink tonight, and I just did. Oh, I said I was going to go gluten-free, and I didn't. Oh, I'm sad, so I'm going to do this. Oh, I don't feel like going for a walk. All of that negative thinking and talking, it makes you feel less motivated and less worthy of the change that you want. And so if you wake up every day and you have a dream and a goal of becoming healthier. And you know that today you're going to move your body and today you're going to drink more water and today you're going to cut out the gluten and today you're going to uh, uh, do whatever you're going to, you're going to uh, donate the clothes that don't fit. So you stop trashing yourself, all things that make you feel better, right? If you stand in front of the mirror and you say, I love you and I accept you exactly how you are. I love you and you deserve to be, you know, like, and, 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 and I, I love myself and I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be the best me I can be. And then the next thing you do is you go into the kitchen and you glug, 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 pour a ton of cream into your coffee. Your mind is immediately going to go, why did you just do that? Oh my God, here I go. I'm one minute into this. And your own negative self-talk just overrode what you said in the mirror that mantra that I love myself and I accept myself. By the time you got into the kitchen, you have already trashed yourself. The pouring the cream in the coffee is an example that you don't love yourself, you're not sticking to your word. And now your motivation goes boo to change, right? This is why most mantras are complete bullshit. You're picking something you don't believe. So what will work? Because the truth is, research says that Having a positive attitude, having an optimistic attitude, being kind to yourself is the secret to motivation and inspiration. When you treat yourself with respect, when you cheer yourself forward, when you forgive yourself when you screw up, you are going to feel more worthy and you're going to feel more encouraged and you're going to feel more likely to pick yourself back up dump the coffee with the cream out, make the coffee with the plant-based thing that you said you would drink, shrug your shoulders, laugh that you just instinctively poured the cream in, and then there you go. Take a sip of your coffee. So we know that positive talk helps. We know that kindness helps when it comes to motivation. The problem is you're picking a mantra that is so pie in the sky and it's making you feel far away from what you want. And so what will work? I'll tell you what works, and then I'm gonna to read to you from the High Five Habit. Mantras only work, number one, if you believe them. I'm gonna say that again. Mantras only work if you believe them. So if you're somebody that has struggled with self-acceptance for a very long time, it will not work for you to stand in front of the mirror when you feel broken and you're at the beginning of your journey of taking control of your life. It will not work for you to stand in front of the mirror and to say, I love and accept myself. 
Because as you stand in front of the mirror and say that, your brain is going to be like, no, you don't. Did you see how you treated yourself yesterday? You do not love and accept yourself. I know I'm a ventriloquist now. I'm your brain. And then that truth that your actions don't align with what you're saying plummets your motivation and your desire to change. So what you have to do is pick a mantra that you actually believe. Rule number four, build a positive mindset. Number one, the secret to an optimistic mindset. You gotta be maniacal about your intake. Negativity in here means negativity in your body gets stored here and negativity comes out here. It becomes this loop of negativity. And so in order to build a positive mindset, I want you to be maniacal about positive input. That means really watch your news intake. Do not be watching it every day. Get the facts, get what you need to know from a trusted, measured, calm, factual source, and then turn that off. Okay. That's number one. Number two, edit your social media. Anything on your social media feeds should be helping you be more resilient, more optimistic, more um, positive. Anything that you're following that triggers you, that is negative, that rubs you the wrong way. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, I have some favorite celebrities that I have um, followed for a while because I think they're funny or I love um, just kind of their sense of humor. But there are so many people that I have muted right now because I think that what they're doing online is so freaking out of whack. Seeing people give us advice about quarantining from the back of their estates and mansions, telling us to donate when they're not saying they're donating, seeing this kind of tone deaf uh, celebrity thing going on. I'm normally not a negative person about that, but I have muted, muted, muted so many accounts because it's not doing anything for me. And you got to be selfish right now. You have got to edit your social media feeds so that your social media feeds are helping you build an optimistic and positive mindset. And so every day, the second I see someone, I mute, 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 unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. Because negativity in means negativity gets stored here, means negativity goes out there from you. You want to put positivity, optimism, tools, strategies, things that keep you laughing, keep things that keep you giving you things that you can use right now. The second you start getting overloaded with Corona stuff, mute that stuff, edit, edit, edit your social media based on what you need. That's number one, maniacal about your intake. Also, to make sure you're actually taking action after watching this video, I've designed a special free worksheet just for this video. The worksheet will highlight all of the lessons learned in this video, as well as pull out our three favorite learnings and quotes that will inspire you to actually do something. The worksheet will also give you space to write down what your key takeaways are and your specific 
plan of action to make sure you're getting results. If you want the worksheet designed specifically for this video, absolutely for free, there's a link in the description below. Go click on it and start building the momentum in your life and your business. I'll see you there. Rule number five, visualize the steps to success. You must visualize the steps that lead you to the thing that you want, not the end goal. This is a major mistake that people make. They manifest improperly because all they do is focus on the end goal. If you've ever made a vision board, think about what you put on the vision board. You put up just the beach house or the million dollars in the bank or you crossing the finish line or you launching that business or you having the body that you want or you driving the Maserati, whatever it is, the end goal is what you put up on a vision board. That is not what you're gonna do when you manifest. If you start focusing on crossing the finish line of the marathon, that is a one-way ticket to being unmotivated and completely discouraged. In fact, research shows that if all you do is focus on the thing that you want and you just focus on that vision of you and your bikini body or you with the love of your life on your arms or you at the uh, Oscars winning that award or the Grammys, what happens is because you've only focused on the end goal, you start to feel really unmotivated and discouraged because you're nowhere near it. That's where manifesting comes in because we're not gonna focus on the end goal. You gotta pick something that you want in order to get started, but manifesting isn't about the end, it's about the bridge. It's about going from where you are here to where you want to go. Imagine that there is a bridge that connects where you are right here with what you dream about doing. Now that dream could be to be a Grammy Award winning singer-songwriter. That dream might be to have a family of your own. That dream might be to have a beach house or a ski house or to take a trip to Fiji. That dream can be whatever the hell you want it to be. But when it comes to manifesting, once you've given yourself permission to dream with the lid off and really want what you want to feel the pull of that thing, now we gotta talk about the path that connects where you are with where you wanna go. And this is all about visualizing the little steps. There's a lot of research that proves why visualizing the steps is the most important thing that you could do. There was a study done at UCLA, for example, where they were researching manifestation and the power of visualization, and they broke students into two groups. And they had group A, we're gonna call these the vision board group. They had group A, close their eyes, visualize in their mind, and feel in their body themselves taking the test and then walking up to a board where the test's scores were posted and finding their name and seeing an A+. That's what Group A, the vision board group, were told to do, to visualize themselves achieving what they wanted. Group B, we're gonna call these the hard workers. These students were coached in this research project to close their eyes and to visualize going back to their dorm room, sitting down at the desk and studying and staying up late and putting in the work, studying and preparing for the tests. Now let me ask you a question. 
Which group do you think did better on the actual test? Was it group A, the vision board group, who were taught to visualize and picture themselves walking up to a board and seeing the A+, or was it group B, the hard work group, the group that was taught to close their eyes and visualize and seeing themselves doing the work to study for the test? Well, if you answered group A, you're wrong. If you answered group B, you got the correct answer. The reason why group B, the students who visualize studying for the test got better test scores, is because when you visualize yourself doing the work, visualizing it leads you to doing the work. And it's only through actions that you will get the result that you want. Preparing your mind and visualizing yourself doing it lowers your resistance and leads to you taking the action. That's why manifesting works. You know, the same is true in sports. There's all kinds of research in sports psychology. In fact, our Olympic athletes for the US Olympic team, they hire sports psychologists to train our top Olympic athletes, particularly after they've been injured, in visualizing themselves competing. When you coach an athlete, to mentally rehearse every single detail about going through the competition, you are training the mind, body, and spirit to show up and dominate. This is particularly true for athletes after they've been injured and they're stepping back into competition. If you've been injured in competition, you're naturally gonna feel anxious. You're naturally gonna be nervous. Your brain and nervous system circuitry is now programmed with the intensity from that injury, the memory from the injury. So of course it's natural to bring that in to your pre-competition feelings about it, right? So manifestation properly, remember what it is? Manifesting is preparing your mind, body, and spirit to do the work. It's aligning your mind, body, and spirit with what you want. It removes the obstacles that would normally stop you, which then prepares and motivates you to take the actions to succeed. So in the case of athletes who visualize themselves and see themselves doing all the steps over and over, they're removing the nerves. They're removing all the programming related to the injury. They are preparing their mind, body, and spirit to go in and freaking dominate. And so are you. Rule number six, train your mind. And one of the things that will help you to do the work to create the things that you want in your life is it will help you if you train your mind to start spotting evidence as you're doing the work, as you're going through your day. It will help you if you train your mind to start scanning the world and spotting evidence that yes, indeed, <clears throat> the world is sending you positive signals that things are gonna work out. Now, why is it important to train your mind to help you get what you want? Well, the reason why is because if you get into a negative mindset, if you start thinking, this business is never gonna work, why even bother? Or I'm never gonna meet anybody, it's nothing but losers out there. Look at all these idiots on Hinge, why the hell should I keep doing this? If you allow your mind to start to rest in a pessimistic, negative, protective, scared, and doubtful stance, 
Your mind will continue to show you reasons why there's nobody on Hinge worth talking to. Your mind will continue to show you all the reasons why you will never make it in business. Your mind will continue to show you all the reasons why you're never going to lose that weight and be able to tuck in your shirt, as my friend Corinne Crabtree always talks about, that transformational moment. And when your mind goes negative, your mind starts to scan the world and will show you more reasons to stop. And the power of training your mind to spot positive signs is very simple. The power is that your mind will start to show you reasons to keep going. Your mind will help you take the step. Your mind will encourage you to feel optimistic, to feel empowered. Just like you woke up today on a Tuesday and it was February 22nd. 2022 and those numbers are lining up and that makes you in your heart and soul go whoa something cool could happen today like that only happens like once in my lifetime those numbers are going to line up like that today is a really cool day let's go do something with this you could create that kind of attitude every single freaking day of your life you could if you train your mind and if you start taking action and training your mind is the key piece that we're going to talk about so for those of you that have read the high five habit one of the things that i talk about a lot is every single day find a naturally occurring heart-shaped object in the world it could be a stone it could be a leaf it could be a cloud it could be a shape in your coffee hey chris if we've got anything around here that looks like a heart hand it to me and the reason why i love telling you to start playing a game with yourself where you start your day going mind brain show me some heart oh what is this come here Dog treat. Oh my God, it's a dog treat. Look at this, guys. <laughs> what shape is that? That right there is a heart. There we go. Check that out. If you say, brain, mind, show me a heart today, guess what's going to happen? That damn dog biscuit, it's going to show, it's going to, you're going to be like, there's a heart. You're going to look out at the sky and you're going to see a heart shape. Oh, right there in the mountains. There's a heart shape in the mountains in southern Vermont. You're going to see it in the clouds. What you're doing when you tell your mind what's important to you is you're telling your mind and the filter in your brain to change in real time and allow into your consciousness what's important to you. And if you want to see hearts, by God, those damn dog treats are going to start looking like hearts, everybody. That's how you train your mind. It's freaking incredible. And if you want to see evidence of this, follow me on social media. If you follow me, Mel Robbins, on social media, you will see every day I am reposting your stories of finding heart shapes around the world. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because it's a simple way to prove to you that your mind changes in real time. That if you get serious about becoming more positive and optimistic and encouraging of yourself, if you get serious about saying, fuck this, I don't wanna see all the reasons why I'm unhappy. I don't wanna see uh, everybody else in the world that's launched a business or that's lost weight and is healthy or that has a really good uh, marriage or relationship. And I don't wanna see that and, and, and have my mind process it as evidence that it's never gonna happen for me. I want my mind to reprogram itself and see other people's businesses and see other people getting healthy and see other people in relationships. And I want my mind to say, yeah, if they can do it, I can do it. That's evidence. 
If that person can get healthy, so can I. If that person can find somebody on Hinge, so can I. If that person can reconcile with their child, so can I. Other people can become evidence that you can have it too. Right now, your mind is so f***ed up from your past that when you see what other people have and you don't have it, you can't actually translate it through a negative mind and and see that that's evidence that you're going to win. You see it like, oh, somebody already stole what I wanted. That sucks. And so what I want to start to open your mind to is that you have the power to train your mind to filter the world differently. Just like you woke up and you saw the date today, 2-22-22, and your brain saw that and was like, whoa, this is a once in a lifetime day, everybody. You are never going to have another day that lines up like this, ever. What are you gonna do with this day? Your mind already interpreted this as, wow, something cool could happen. And if you tell yourself something amazing is gonna to happen today, something will because you're gonna be looking for it. I swear to God, something will, something will. If you wanna see the good all around you, you gotta tell your mind, you want to see the good. And this just isn't a bunch of horseshit, everybody. This isn't toxic positivity. There is a filter in your brain called the reticular activating system. The reticular activating system. I call it the RAS. I like to think about it like a giant hairnet on your head. And this RAS sits over your brain. I'm probably getting this wrong. I'm not a neuroscientist. I could give a about getting it right. I just need you to know the basics here so that you can apply it to your life, okay? You don't need a PhD to use the science that super smart people have been working really hard on in order to apply it to your life. That's what I'm here for in your life. I'm here to translate this stuff into simple, believable, and actionable things that you can do to take all this super cool stuff that people are researching and apply it to your normal person's everyday life to help you change from the inside out. And one of the coolest things that you have at your disposal is you have a whole system in your body that you can train and change. And one of those things that you can train and change that is impacted by that real, that word you're hearing a lot of, neuroplasticity, that just means that things are able to twist and bend and change and you're able to learn new things for as long as you're alive. As long as you're breathing, everybody, you got a chance to change the way that you think. As long as you are breathing, you got a chance to change from the inside out how you experience your life. As long as you are still here watching me, people, you got a chance to create a new experience in your life. And one of the things that helps a lot is understanding that right now, all of the bullshit from your past has jammed the filter in your mind, body, and spirit, the reticular activating system. And it is clouding your ability to look at the world around you and see hearts. Remember this? Dog treat, hearts. Look at that. There's a heart right there. Rule number seven, boost your mood. Do tiny things every day that boost your mood, okay? So we're gonna build your mood muscle. If you can, move your body because negativity gets stored here and moving your body. We know based on the research, simply moving your body for 10 or 20 minutes a day will release chemicals in your mind that help you boost your mood. 
The second thing that will boost your mood is I want you to make a tiny promise to yourself every day. Just one thing that makes you feel more positive. Is it getting up on time? Is it eating something healthy? Is it only having one glass of wine or reaching for a mocktail? I want you to put one tiny promise into place. Put it into the um, comments right now. What's one tiny promise that you can make to yourself that you're going to do every day? It might just be that you're going to wake up every day, take a deep breath, remind yourself that you're healthy, and that's going to be the tiny promise. I want you to do one tiny promise every day because keeping a promise to yourself will boost your mood and make you feel more in control. Another way to build your mood muscle is have a zero tolerance policy for your own negative thoughts. Right now, as you edit social media and edit your news take and edit your negativity coming in from the outside world, do not tolerate negativity from the inside world. I woke up this morning, I looked in the mirror, I looked at the gray hairs that are coming in, particularly like right up here, and I started to go negative. I started to feel dreary. And I went, Mel, cut this out. You got to fight to stay positive, gal, because we are in this for another couple months. And do not succumb to despair. Do not start thinking negative stuff. When you have negativity internally, you got to have a zero tolerance policy for that. It's one thing to feel what you need to feel so that you can move through it. It's another thing to let negativity dwell up here and start ruminating. The five second rule is genius for this. Count backwards. The second that negative, five, four, three, two, one. Not listening to it. No, I am redirecting my thoughts. That's right. I am looking for the things I can control. I am keeping a positive attitude by focusing on things that I can control right now today. Rule number eight, do the work. This one is like really important. You need to do the work, okay? You got to do the work because it's only through your actions that you will accomplish what you want. Let's say uh, that you've always wanted to climb a particular mountain, okay? There's a mountain called Haystack. It's not even that tall, so I should probably pick a bigger one, but let's just call it Haystack Mountain. You've always wanted to climb Haystack Mountain. You pull up to Haystack Mountain and you get out of the car, you park at the you know National Forest parking lot, and you make the mistake of looking up at the mountain, which is the end goal, right? And you notice it's up in the clouds. And then you start to think, oh my God, that's a really far way away. You know, I don't really know how I feel about doing this anymore because that looks like it's gonna take a really long time. And then all of a sudden it starts to rain and you go, I don't think I wanna do this because I don't think I feel like doing this. And next thing you know, you are back in the car driving back down the road to that little diner that you saw, and instead of climbing the mountain that you've always dreamt of climbing, you've now come up with an excuse and you have abandoned ship. You now have literally become your own obstacle. You talked yourself out of it, you started to doubt yourself, you told yourself you weren't ready and that you didn't feel like it, you pull the ripcord, you're out of there. In order to have what you want in life, you must Stop staring at the top of that mountain. You must stop creating excuses for why you can't or don't feel like it. And you must put your head down and look at the first step in front of you. And then you must take the action and start walking toward what you want. And it'll be a hell of a lot easier for you to do that if you have also been putting in the time every day consistently to not only see yourself walking up that trail step by step, but that you have felt yourself 
pushing through the resistance, the fear, the obstacles, the bull the excuses that are stopping you now and feel proud in every fiber of your being as you push through those obstacles and see yourself and feel yourself doing the work. That's how you manifest properly. And if you do that before you pull into the national park parking lot, if you look up at that mountain and you see clouds and it starts raining, it won't matter because you've already rehearsed this moment in your mind, body, and spirit. And you, my friend, will start walking up that trail and you're gonna be proud. That's how you use manifesting to get what you want. That's how you leverage all the science and research to train and prepare your mind, body, and spirit to help you get what you want. And that's how you hack the motivation and inspiration that you need to take the actions that get you everything that you want and deserve in life. Rule number nine, learn to cheer for yourself. The other stuff that's super cool about this is that, you know, we've all bought into this lie that somehow beating yourself up and tough love and being hard on yourself is motivating. Wrong. All the research shows that it is demotivating. If you're somebody that's stuck, if you're somebody that has regrets, if you're somebody that is tired of where you are, if you feel like, you know, you just, why can't I change? Beating yourself up is making it worse. You have to learn how to cheer for yourself where you are. Because if you're not, you will never find the motivation to change. So they did this study with kids where they broke kids into three different groups, okay? And they gave the kids very challenging problems. And they wanted to know what was going to be the thing that researchers could do to motivate and inspire kids to work through a challenging problem and what is going to be the most effective thing that we could do to mm -hmm. give somebody that boost that you need to really face something that's hard? So group number one got the old fixed mindset praise where it's like, hey, you're super smart, Rich. Hey, Rich, you're really good looking in those glasses and I bet they help you make you focus on this problem. Keep going, buddy. The second group got the fixed mindset praise, which is, hey, Rich, you're really, really working hard. Rich, that perseverance is amazing. Keep going. The third group, they got a simple high five. No words, just a high five. The group with the simple high five outperformed the other two group and then some. That's why? so crazy. Why? I'll tell you why. A high five is fulfilling your fundamental emotional needs. It's not about the problem. When you high five somebody, including yourself, you are affirming that somebody exists. You are saying, I see you and you're celebrating with them. You know how those things go viral uh, all year long of, of, of uh, uh, teachers standing outside their classroom doing individual handshakes with kids? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Every one of those kids is being seen as an individual and celebrated. And rule number 10, the last one before some very special bonus clips is reclaim your mind, body, and spirit. Your past has completely f***ed up the reticular activity system. The reason why you doubt yourself, the reason why you think nothing works out for you, the reason why you're seeking validation from everybody else is because your life trained you to do that. And I'm here to tell you, you can wake the hell up and you can realize that from this moment forward, you have the ability using simple and believable tools to reclaim your mind, body and spirit, to retrain it and to use it to help you feel the way that you wanna feel 
to experience life the way that you want to experience life and to build a sense of momentum as you go through your day and you start to see all kinds of stuff around you as evidence that you can have it too. I'll give you a simple example. So as many of you know, um, for a very long time, I've always wanted to launch a podcast. I got my start in the media business back in 2007 by having a local radio show in Boston, Massachusetts on a talk radio station on Saturday mornings. That's what I did. I made $25 an hour. I hosted a show for two hours, a live call-in show where we talked about what was going on in the world. It was an advice show. I absolutely loved it. And from there, uh, that show grew. It then uh, became a Sunday night show in Atlanta, and then I got a five-day-a-week show in Orlando. So you're looking at a woman who got her start in the media business doing local radio. I paid for our kids' braces by reading Invisalign ads for the local dentist. So I have been in sort of the radio or podcast business since 2007, since before podcasts. And then my life took detours like it did. I have not been in radio since, God, 2011, maybe? So long time, 10 years. And I've been thinking about launching a podcast for five years, everybody. Five years. And every time I would think about it, my mind would look around and my mind, my reticular activity system, the filter in my brain was clogged with all kinds of crap. And when I looked around and I saw all these people launching podcasts, that fact of seeing it would filter through my mind and my mind would say, there's no room for you. You're too late. You're not going to be as good as those other people. So my mind was looking at the outside world and the fact that everybody and their mother was launching a podcast five years ago, and they still are today, and it would pass through the filter in my brain, and my brain would say to me, Mel, you're f You might as well just stop thinking about it because you're too late, woman. How many of you do that to yourself? That you see other people having what you want, and the way that that fact that somebody else has gotten healthy or somebody else has made a million dollars or somebody else has launched a business online or somebody else has found somebody after divorce and is happier than ever. And you see that and you immediately assume, I'm like, it's never going to happen for me. Instead of having your brain go, whoa, look at that. Look at all these people out there doing this. If they can do it, you can do it too, Mel. Look at that. You got all these people that can give you advice. You got all these people that are lights on the path that you want to walk down. How cool is that? You got all kinds of information, all kinds of help, all kinds of evidence that's positive. Well, the reason why my mind didn't see it as positive is the same reason why your mind does not see everybody else's business and everybody else's health journey and everybody else's bank account and everybody else's fancy vacations. Or when you walk into a bar and all your girlfriends get hit on instead of you, your mind does not see all of that as evidence that it's going to eventually work out for you because your mind is clogged with all kinds of crap from your past. And I'm here to tell you. When you wake up and realize that you could train your brain to wake up every day and go, holy shit, today's going to be a magical day. Today is going to be that 2 22 day where you immediately see this. You know this is the one day of your life where this is going to be the day. Come on in, Jesse. Jesse's here. Hey, YOLO. 
Yellow, come on in. You could you could literally train your mind to wake up every day and go, damn it, I'm going to see a heart today and I'm going to see evidence today that it's working out for me. And when my mind starts to see that this is going to work out for me, I'm going to feel more empowered. I'm going to feel more inspired and I'm going to keep going because the bottom line is, everybody, your positive mindset helps you with momentum, repetition and discipline. Your positive mindset helps you by encouraging you to take the action. Because as you know, because you hang out with me, Mel Robbins, thinking about changing your life is not going to change your life. The only thing that changes your life is action. You want something different, you got to do something different. But a filter in your brain that filters the world in a positive way, in an encouraging way, a filter in your brain that acts more like that annoying friend. You know that annoying friend who's always trying to, to build you up? And I say annoying because when you're committed to being like, it's never working out for me. I'm never going to meet anybody. I'm never going to lose the weight. And your friend's like, oh, are you kidding? You know how amazing you are? You're like, F off. Don't tell me I'm amazing. I want to feel terrible. So when you start to change your brain, when you start to really go to work on this filter, you're going to turn your own mind from a critic and somebody who's nasty into that friend that's really cheering you on. See, see, this is going to work out for you. See, you should keep going. See, this is really good for you to do. And that's why it's important. It's really hard to take action when you have a mindset. It's really hard to find what's called the activation energy, the force to push yourself through the resistance and the fear. If you are committed to believing that it's not worth doing anyway. And so action is critical. Action is where the five second rule comes in. But if you want to supersize this and step on the accelerator, you must start to train your mind. And one way you can start to do this is to look for hearts every day. That's one chapter in the book we haven't read yet. See, this is a dog treat that was shaped like a heart. I asked Chris, he scanned the room. Boom! That's how this works. The other way that you can start to train your mind is to learn about the filter in your brain. To learn about the fact that this filter in your mind has the ability to change in real time what you see. First of all, stop talking about passion. Stop talking about launching a business, okay? When you think about it too big, it will paralyze you. If you're lucky and you're in a position where your bills are getting paid and you have the luxury of being able to try to think about what you wanna do in this next chapter, um, here's where I want you to start. I want you to start with what energizes you. Now, how ironic is that, given that I'm speaking at the Energetic Women's Conference here in Indianapolis today? Why am I saying energizes you? And what, do I talk, what am I talking about when I say energize? When I say energizes you, I'm asking you, what is it that you're curious about? What is it that you feel so expanded you feel energized. You feel kind of excited whenever you're doing it. You're in a phase when you're just trying to figure out what's your next move. 
of just paying attention to your curiosity, paying attention to the things that interest you. The truth is, passion is just energy. If you're passionate about something, it means you're energized when you do it. So let's reverse engineer this and let's just ask yourself a simple question. What are you curious about? What energizes you? And if you allow yourself to explore things that energize you, you, my friend, will start to find the clues about what it is that you should and could be doing. Because all the research says that if you're doing something that you like, if you're doing something that you're curious about, you're not only going to enjoy it, you're going to be really good at it. Because if you like doing it, you'll spend more time doing it, which means you're going to get better at it. The reason why it's so important to start with a friend cleanse, and I'm sure a lot of you, how many of you heard that and you thought, oh my God, getting rid of people. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm going to cleanse these friends. Yes and no. A friend cleanse is critical because the single most influential thing around you are the people that you hang out with. And if you have relationships that are toxic, if you have relationships that cause guilt, if you have relationships that are creating drama in your life, if you have relationships that are not equitable, guess what? That's creating the overwhelm. That's creating unhappiness. That's keeping you doubting yourself. If you have friends that um, have bad habits, guess what? That's making it really, really hard for you to change your habits for the good. It comes back to the core message that I always have for you. No matter what's happening around or to you, you hold the power because you always have the power to have an honest conversation. You always have the power to discuss how things are impacting you. You always have the power to make requests and you certainly have the power to draw boundaries. And you also have the power, by the way, if the culture gets worse and worse or you just are tired of it because it's not changing, to go find a different job. The power is always in you. And I think that's something that's so important to constantly remind yourself. I get that I don't like where I am, but what could I do to change it? How can I change how I think about this? And I'm telling you right now, you know this, the second you start changing how you think about a situation, the situation changes. The second you start changing how you think about what your options are, you start to see them. The second you stop thinking that you're stuck or that you're a victim and you start thinking about how you solve something, you start to see solutions. And so the answer is always in you. If you look at human development, we're the only species that literally can't survive without another human being mm. taking care of you. And so we are biologically mm. hardwired to bond with other people. And that is the ver from the very beginning of when you come out, bonding with somebody else and making sure they pay attention to you is your survival imperative. So you right. are born needing somebody else. And I think what ends up happening is there's never that kind of clean break or pass off between needing your parents to take care of you, needing your friend's approval to fit in, to truly having ownership over giving yourself what you didn't get, giving yourself what you needed. And that's the piece that I've been doing a lot of during wow. the, the great pause is slowing down because so much of my busyness was fueled by, uh, you know, praise me, love me. Am I doing enough? You know, please tell me I'm doing okay. Okay. I can breathe now. I'm okay now. 
And when I slow down, and maybe it's a function of the anxiety, that's when things get scary because that's when you've really got to be with yourself. You have this behavior pattern where you snap. You have this behavior pattern where you yell and you get upset and you make people wrong and you don't mean to. If you are somebody who's ever said to yourself, I wish I could stop yelling or I wish I, 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 I could just snap, I, I could stop snapping. This video is absolutely unbelievable, okay? And the reason why is I explained this research that was so mind-blowing for me. It's called Ghosts in the Nursery. A lot of the patterns that you have that you don't have control over are patterns from your childhood and they are there because when you were a kid, you experienced people in your life that were tense. Did you ever have a parent that was a yeller? Did you ever have a teacher that was a yeller? Or a coach that was a yeller? And secretly in your little kid body, whenever your mom or dad would yell, or your coach would yell, or your teacher would yell, or your grandmother or grandfather would yell, you would feel tense, right? You would feel nervous. You would feel on edge. Of course, that's how we all feel, right? Well, here's the reason why you might have an issue, like I used to have an issue, where I would yell at my kids and then I'd feel terrible about it. I'd snap at my husband and then I'd feel terrible about it. Psychologists, and then I would say to myself, I'm not doing that again, I'm not doing that again, but I wouldn't have the ability to end it. Psychologists call this ghost in the nursery. It means that any situation where you start to feel tense, or you start to feel stressed out, guess what happens? Your body remembers what it was like when you were little to feel tense and stressed out, and what were the adults doing around you when you felt that way? They were snapping, they were yelling, and now here you are repeating the pattern, and you don't know why, and you feel guilty. And I'm explaining this to you because it wasn't until I thought, holy cow, like, I know I don't want to snap at my husband. I know I don't want to take my anger from work out on my family. Why can't I stop this? That's the reason why. It's because it's a pattern that you remember from being a kid, that the adults around you were snapping or yelling or being mean anytime, and when they were, you felt tense and stressed out. So now that you're an adult, when you're tense and stressed out, you repeat the behavior that you witnessed. Crazy, right? So how do you stop it? Well. The first step to stopping anything is to actually understand what you're dealing with. Now that you know you're dealing with a pattern, now all you need to do is basically say, okay, I'm gonna put a practice in place that's gonna interrupt this pattern. What's the practice? Well, a really good one is, um, before you walk in the house at the end of the day, if you're stressed out, take five. Take five deep breaths. Like reset your mood, reset your energy before you walk in the house and you'll be surprised by how much nicer you are to the people around you. Another thing that, um, that uh, you can do, and this one's not so fun, is you can train your partner, your kids, your roommates, your family, that if you're trying to get a hold of how you bring stress home, you can train them to say to you, hey, don't take your work stress out on me. When somebody that you care about says that to you, it's a humbling experience. And the person that says it the most in my life is my son, Oakley. Your, uh, the youngsters seem to love to cross-check the adults. So be careful with taking that advice. I know that in this next chapter, 
that I consciously create. I want to have more fun. <laughs> I want to, I really want to love the process. Yeah. I don't want to make it so hard on myself and be gripping everything so tight. Mm. And it's really easy for me to see it in other people because I know what it feels like in here. I'm working hard to break the patterns that still hold me back. And the big one that holds me back is um, bulldozing. That's the, it's, it's, it's literally when I start to feel any level of tension, this is particularly true in my marriage. Um, I'm married to a saint. Thank God, Chris Robbins meditates every morning. It's the only reason why we've lasted 26 years. Um, It's how he puts up with me. When I feel my like, whatever emotion rise, I immediately raise my voice. It's how I assert power in the relationship. And I am so committed, Lewis, to breaking that pattern and being a more fun person to be around and a kinder person to be around. This is a very important first piece of advice, by the way, is that a lot of times we start to feel the weight of the overwhelm, but we don't get out of our heads. And if you spend too much time thinking about all the stuff that's going on and you don't go through the process of breaking it down and figuring out what actually is important to you and prioritizing what you're going to do about it, you're just going to continue to feel heavier and heavier and heavier and more and more sunk. I mean, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to feel. Having a breakdown is one of the biggest things on the planet because what you get is you get a break from your own bullshit and you can look objectively at where you are and for the first time look ahead and say, well, what do I want to go create? And nine times out of 10, if you're discouraged right now, if you've got financial devastation, if, you've, if you're facing something that is making this moment in time as hard for you as life was for Lewis and I in 2008 during the last recession, I beg you, ask yourself honestly if what you had is actually what you wanted. Mm. The thing that you just lost, that that job that you bitched about all the time. That relationship that was bad to you. Yeah. Yes. Or the friends you can't hang out with because it's convenient and you can't, you're in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Like actually ask yourself if this is what you wanted or were you just used to it? Mm. Being used to something, Lewis, I think is the biggest reason why people don't change. I asked my mother, I love my mother. I love my parents. I've been married 51 years which is a feat because they were, my mom was a teen mom, but uh, I, I asked her once if she'd go to a personal development seminar with me. <laughs> What'd you say? Are you f-ing kidding me? Why would I want to change at my age? Oh, wow. I might discover I hate my life. Wow. I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave that right there. And it's all that thinking, that overthinking, that thinking too big. Thinking big is about dreams. Thinking big is about goals. Thinking big is about your heart and your soul and figuring out what you want. Then once you do that and you think big and you see where you're headed, boom, you got to come back and you got to go brick by brick to make that vision stick. You got to go brick by brick to make the action stick. You got to go brick by brick to lay that pathway forward and to keep going. And let me tell you something. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how much there is to do to make this big dream forward. You have time to lay one brick a day. You really do. You really do. And this is the secret, everybody. 
This is the secret to everything. It's to understanding that there is no timeline to getting your dreams done. All there is to do is to allow your heart and soul to dream big, to see the path forward, and then to pull yourself into the moment every day and have the discipline to be deliberate, to lay one brick on that path. That's it. And to keep reminding yourself that everything that you're learning on the way as you lie bricks down and you move forward a little at a time is helping you build the path. And there will be times that you start to lay bricks in this direction and you realize, whoa, wait a minute, I'm going over here and my dream is over there. I guess I better lay bricks over here and head back in the direction. Then you're going to go this way. That's great because everything that you learned over here is going to be exactly what you needed in order to be doing what your big dream is. And I always talk about how you have the power in your life, always. I know that you may have your feelings hurt. I know you may be angry or upset or frustrated. I certainly feel those things all the time in my life. But I want you to understand that no matter what's going on, you always have the power because you can choose what you think and what you do next. You may not be able to control the way that somebody treated you. You may not be able to control uh, the number of promotions that have passed you by. You may not be able to control whether or not your boss is a jerk face or not to you, but you can choose how you respond to these things. And that's where your power is. Why do you think that is in human beings that, you know, if things are going bad, we won't change. If they're going good, we won't change, but it's almost like we need a massive breakdown, near-death experience, divorce, COVID, for us to see clearly to start changing. Well, there's a really simple answer, patterns. So the thing about all human beings is that we are pattern learning machines. Mm -hmm. And if you feel stuck or broken, I guarantee you, while you feel that way, you're not. You have a pattern of behavior or a pattern of thinking that is broken. And we need to be disrupted because we love our patterns. And even people that I know, like I've even I when we're in pain, even when we're in pain, we love well, the patterns. pain's familiar for a lot of people. Yeah. So a lot of people, like you, may be listening to Lewis and I talking, and you grew up in a super chaotic household. Maybe your parents argued all the time. Maybe your dad or mom were in and out. Maybe there was a lot of fighting. Maybe there was actual abuse. I don't know what was going on, but it was chaotic as hell. And so as an adult, you have vowed to yourself, you're not going to repeat that pattern. But what ends up happening is because as a little kid, you observed, witnessed, absorbed the pattern of chaos in your nervous system, unless you go about the intentional work mm -hmm. of breaking the pattern of chaos, you will create it in your own life because it's what's familiar. You won't understand. Why do I keep dating these assholes? Why do I why do I go to these bosses that treat me like crap? Because you don't know what it feels like <laughs> to be in a relationship with either a boss or a romantic partner or a roommate that is consistent because for the first 18 years of your life you lived in a in a state called when's the next shoe going to drop? Right. And so wherever it is in your life that something is broken, there is a pattern that you don't see yet that is making you continue to stay in a broken situation. The world doesn't need another perfect person. The world needs you. And you're trying your best. You're doing what you can. And, you know, I think it's really important that you cut yourself a break 
and that you stop thinking that you have to be perfect. There are going to be days where you're an hour late to pick up your kid, and that's okay. There are going to be days when you can't get to every email, and that's okay. There are going to be days where you feel so underwater, and that's okay. You'll get through it. You'll figure it out. And you've got to understand that it's not about being perfect. It's about just being you. And that means that you got to be willing to start before you're ready. You got to be willing to do what I do every damn day, which is show up in my rollers or start a live stream and disconnect myself or start it and be talking and not even know that I'm broadcasting. You've got to do that version in your life or you're not going to get ahead, period. I've looked into the research. There's only one habit and skill, just one, that has a direct impact on how much money you make a direct impact on whether or not you get the promotion and the influence and the cash money that you deserve. And do you know what that is? Any ideas? The one skill, the one habit, the one thing that has a meaningful behavior change that impacts what you get. It's your visibility. You see, you don't get credit, you don't get paid for, and you don't get graded on the things that people can't see. In order for you to get what you deserve, you have to start being deliberate about your visibility, behavior, that you've got to start learning to do, whether you're shy, whether you're introverted, whether English is your second language, it doesn't matter. You've got to learn how to speak up. You've got to learn how to share your ideas. You've got to learn how to talk about your business. You've got to learn to talk about your dreams and your goals. And I know for many of you, that is one of the most terrifying things in the world. You hate being the center of attention. The idea of speaking in a meeting at work and risking sounding like you don't know what you're talking about is really scary. The idea of asking for feedback from your boss or asking for a raise, really scary. The idea of going in and talking to your professor about adjusting your grade, really scary. The idea of raising your hand, I get it. I read your emails, I see the comments, but you've got to understand that this is the number one skill that you need in order to increase your visibility, wherever it is that you need to increase your visibility. Instead of doing what so many of us do when we're broken up with and we go, I'm a loser, I'm unlovable, I'm not good enough. What I want you to do instead is I want you to put that opinion and judgment on the relationship itself. That relationship that's over wasn't good enough, wasn't worthy, and wasn't the right fit for love for you. Do not take that on as an internal judgment of yourself. Make sure that when you're judging it, you're judging the relationship and how it wasn't a good fit for you. You, my friend, are whole. You, my friend, are perfect how you are. And yeah, you may have to change. Yeah, you, there's things that you can do better now that you know better. Yes, there's baggage you got to deal with, but there's nothing wrong with you. There's just patterns that you need to deal with. If you're not facing a breakup personally in your romantic life, you still want to pay attention because somebody that you care about might be. And this is advice that you can give to them. Also, breakups uh, happen in your career. Um, you might be breaking up with a work situation. You might be breaking up with a friend. I know a lot of us are working hard to draw boundaries and to surround ourselves with more positive people. And we get questions every day about how you do that. And so breaking up with friends can be just as traumatic as breaking up 
with somebody that is a romantic partner. I have three steps to getting over a breakup that I'm going to explain in a minute. But first, I want to under I want to explain some research to you to help you put what you're feeling into context. Because what you're going through when you break up with somebody or you're broken up with is you literally go through withdrawal. I'm not kidding. And yeah, I'm using the word withdrawal. Where else do you hear the word withdrawal? You hear the word withdrawal when you hear about people withdrawing from a drug. And that's a lot uh, similar to what you're going through. In fact, there was a study done by neuroscientist Lucy Brown who found that like drug abuse, romantic love begins with that euphoric feeling. It's a high, right? And when the drug leaves your body or the romance leaves your life, what are you left with? You're left with the withdrawal, which is a craving for it. Validate. Number one, break, breakups are painful, but they don't need to leave you broken. So I want you to validate where you're at. It's great that you're asking the question. You got to have a little bit of compassion for yourself. You got to understand that you're going to be sad for a while, but please don't pour gasoline on the sadness fire. Please, please, please don't be staring at photos of your ex. Please don't be uh, putting his or her social media face right in front of your face. It's going to make it worse, but definitely validate the sadness because you're going through a major change and it might not be a change that you wanted. Number two, separate. This is the most important part because the other thing that I don't think any of us realize is that when you get broken up with or you break up with somebody, you don't realize how much of your daily routine and the habits that you have and the way that you go about your day was tied to the person that you're no longer with. And so what you're not only dealing with is not only missing the person, but your whole life schedule may have just been thrown off. Maybe you two went to the same gym in the morning. Maybe you got a text in the morning from this person. Maybe you liked your little FaceTime call at work. Maybe your friend group became their friend group. And now all of a sudden that you're broken up because you hung out with their friends all the time, you don't have that social life anymore. And so it is so important for you to recognize that you're not only facing the person being gone, but the habits that marked your day and the other people that maybe you hung out with and the things that you did with your time and the music that you listened to and the food that you ate, that those might have all been dictated by the person you were with and those are changing too. So it's important for you to separate yourself. I think a lot of women in particular, when we get into a relationship, we tend to lose ourselves. We tend to morph into the person that we're dating. I used to do that all the time. And so now we get to the third part. As you start to think about separating, right? So you're validating where you're at. You're separating from this person. We need to get to the third part, which is celebrating you. Now that you're broken up, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to rediscover yourself because I guarantee you, you lost a bit of yourself in that relationship. And so as you think about the way that the structure of your day has changed, what can you proactively insert that is a celebration of the things that you stopped doing? What have you been keeping yourself from doing because you are in this relationship that would celebrate you? Who are the friends or family members or colleagues that really lift you up? And how can you find more time to hang out with them? This is a time to celebrate a moment when you get to rediscover you. You'll get the day where you celebrate, and that was yesterday, and 
you'll have that moment where you cannot believe that you actually got into the school that you wanted or you got the job that you wanted or you found the person that that really compliments you finally or that you got the raise that you wanted or you built the house that you've always dreamt of and then a funny thing happens after you actually achieve the dream after you celebrate life goes right back to the way that it was and for me what I'm present to is not the fact that this talk show is actually happening it's I'm focused on all the work that I now need to do in order to do the talk show as powerfully as I can and I think that the point that I'm trying to make about the fact that yeah you can achieve all the things that you're going for but I've even noticed already in just 24 hours like that the crazy rise in emotion and excitement has already been replaced with things are back to normal that is exactly what psychologists talk about when it comes to happiness because happiness is not about achieving things it's not about getting the result it's about how you pursue the things that you enjoy and why you're pursuing them and so the key to life and i'm seeing it happen in my own life is not actually checking the boxes and getting all those things that you dream about it's how you go about living your life as you're pursuing them. Because if I were just gonna like, boop, check the box, and now I'm done, biggest goal of my life to have a daytime talk show, just achieve that, boop, what do I have to look forward to? Nothing if you've already achieved it, which is why it's so important for you to understand that the real meaning of happiness is about how you show up every day. Yes, you should have big goals. Yes, you should have big dreams. Yes, 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 and yes, you should pursue them. Don't, don't ever think that, quote, making your dreams come true is what actually makes you happy. Because what actually makes you happy is having those big dreams and waking up every morning and doing a little something to push yourself to make them happen. It's about the pursuit. We live in the most amazing moment in time. So that thing that you have up here, Whatever it may be, you wanna use healthy eating to cure your diabetes, you wanna figure out how to take care of uh, the elders and start a new hospice center, you wanna to move to Africa and build a school, guess what? You could walk into a bookstore right now and buy at least 10 books written by credentialed experts on how the hell you do it. You could Google it and you could probably find at least, I don't know, a thousand blogs documenting the step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step transformation that somebody else is already doing? You can find anybody online and cyber-stalk them. <laughs> you can just walk in their footsteps and let them, you know, just use the science of drafting. Follow what everyone else has done, because somebody else is already doing it. So why don't you have what you want? When you have all the information that you need, you have the contacts that you need, there are probably free tools online that allow you to start a business or join a group or do whatever the heck you want. It all comes down to one word. Shut the front door, you know what I'm talking about? The F-bomb. It's everywhere. You hear it all the time, and I, I honestly don't understand what the appeal is of the word. I mean, you don't sound smart when you say it. And it's really not expressing how you really feel. It's sort of a cheap, you know, shot to take. And of course, you know, I'm talking about the word fine. 
How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, really? You are? Dragging around those extra 40 pounds? You're fine? Feeling like roommates with your spouse? And you're fine? You haven't had sex in four months? You're fine? Really? I don't think so. But see, here's the deal with saying that you're fine. It's actually genius. Because if you're fine, you don't have to do anything about it. But when you think about this word fine, it just makes me so angry. I mean, here we are at a conference about being alive and you're gonna describe the experience of being alive as fine? What a flimsy and feeble word. If you're crappy, say you're crappy. If you're amazing, say you're amazing. Tell the truth. And this not only goes for the social construct, oh, I don't wanna burden you with the fact that I hate my life, or, you know, hey, I'm amazing, but that would make you feel terrible. <laughs> the bigger issue, the bigger issue with fine is that you say it to yourself. That thing that you want, I guarantee you, you've convinced yourself that you're fine not having it. That's why you're not pushing yourself. It's the areas in your life where you've given up, where you've said, oh, I'm fine. I, I, my mom's never gonna change, so I just can't have that conversation. I'm fine, you know, we gotta wait until the kids graduate before we get divorced, so we'll just sleep in separate bedrooms. I'm fine, I lost my job, I can barely pay my bills, but whatever, it's hard to get a job. And you know, one of the reasons why this word also just annoys me so much is scientists have calculated, oh yeah, I'm coming down. Scientists have calculated the odds of you being born. That's right. They've crunched the numbers. I see you up there. <laughs> They've crunched the numbers on you. Yeah, no, you guys standing up, you wanna sit down for this. They've crunched the numbers on you being born. And they took into account all of the wars and the natural disasters and the dinosaurs and everything else. And do you realize that the odds, the odds of you yeah, right here, put your computer away, stand up for me, Doug. <laughs> so the odds of Doug here, turn around, say hi to everybody. The odds, Ooh. yeah, of Doug, Doug being born at the moment in time he was born to the parents you were born to with the DNA structure that you have, a hundred, or no, one and four hundred trillion. Isn't that amazing? I'm so lucky. Yes, you're not fine, you're fantastic. You have life-changing ideas for a reason, and it's not to torture yourself. Thank you, thank you, Doug. And you know, Christine was right when she said all of you could be on stage, because all of you, we're all in this category. One and 400 trillion. All day long you have ideas that could change your life, that could change the world, that could change the way that you feel. And what do you do with them? Nothing. Oh, hopefully I won't moon you. <laughs> you didn't pay for that. So let's talk about Starbucks. Starbucks in 2008, um, very interesting thing happened, and many of you, if you were in the financial services market then, probably know this, that their net income decreased by about 28% that year. 
And at the time, they had 16,000 stores in 44 countries, and they had gone through this massive explosive growth segment in terms of going from going public in, I think it was like 1992, they only had 125 stores, and now here we are, 2008, they've got 16,000. So what ends up happening is Howard Schultz, who was the chairman of the board, comes back in as the CEO. Very complex situation, right? You've got operations in 44 countries. You've got massive reduction in terms of the profits that you have. You've got the stock market and Wall Street screaming at you. You've got customers that are going to Dunkin' Donuts because there's a recession that's hitting. So what do you do? Well, he was very clear, again, back to the two rules. What do I stand for? Like, what, is it, what, is, what am I doing? And what do I want the outcome to be? So he was very clear that what he stood for as a leader and what Starbucks should stand for is the Starbucks experience. He wanted to go back to the beginning and reintroduce people to the romance of having a cup of coffee. Because you know, that's how Starbucks launched in the beginning, that he was traveling and was over in Italy and was like, God, why don't we have places like these great stops to have a little cup of coffee over in the United States? Boom, Starbucks, an idea, it's born, it's launched. So he decides he's gonna do whatever he can to get the romance of having a cup of coffee back. In life, in any situation, whether you're talking about growing your company, growing your bank account, getting in a relationship, getting out of a relationship, getting something done at the school system that your kids are going to on behalf of your kids, whatever it is that you're up to in life, this is the only question that you need to ask yourself. Well, what is it that I want? Because the truth of the matter is, if you can answer that, you can have it. What about when someone can't realize or identify their own negative feelings? Someone that has been conditioned to live in negative feelings and believes that that's normal. This question comes from Basso Anna Denegada. Um, it is your normal. You're right. It's a really, um, first of all, I'm sorry that that's been your experience of life because that really stinks and it doesn't have to be that way. But here, here's where I want you to go. What's interesting about what you said is the fact that these feelings are normal, okay? Normal just means you're used to them, but you don't have to live with them. So even though you're so used to these negative feelings and these feelings of doubt, you still don't like them. You still have the ability to stop that. So I want you to think of a moment in time when you were really happy. Like it could be a memory from being little, it could be something that you dream of doing. And I want you to come up with something really specific about that moment, okay? Like think about what you were wearing or think about the, 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 the blue sky. That is gonna be what I call your anchor thought. Every time from this moment forward that you wake up or you find yourself drifting to those normal feelings of, I'm a loser, I'm worthless, I'm never gonna find love. They may be things that you're used to thinking, but that doesn't, that doesn't matter because you can change them. The second that you feel that, you've drifted over into that thought, and I keep coming over here because when you start using the rule, you're gonna start to literally feel which part of your mind you're using. The worries kinda happen here. <clears throat> I want you to five, four, three, two, one, and then I want you to insert this vision of yourself, this vision of yourself where you felt really good. And if you can't think of one, invent one. How would you feel if you were in love? How would you feel if you loved yourself? How would you feel if you did that thing that you're scared of, that you keep talking yourself out of? That's your anchor thought. Now, when you first start using the rule, particularly when you're breaking a habit, a habit 
of thinking negative thoughts. When you first start doing it, you may need to use the five second rule 73 times in one day. That's okay. I had to do it like that when I was first using the rule to cure myself of anxiety. When I would start to worry about anything, I'd start to worry about you know my kids or I'd start to worry about money and I'd feel my thoughts drift and then I'd start to feel my heart race, I would stabilize my thoughts, five, four, three, two, one, I'd activate my prefrontal cortex, lower the, the worries you know, on the other side, and then I would start to think about something that actually made me feel really calm or excited. That is the battle of your mind. And you know, the other thing about normal that I just wanna say is that the reason why it feels normal to doubt yourself and to have low self-worth is because you've thought this so long. It's become a pattern, just like chewing your nails becomes a pattern of behavior that you don't think about. Well, the cool thing is, is that based on science, you can actually change any pattern, even a thinking one. So use the five second rule. Every single time you catch yourself thinking the nasty stuff and then activate your prefrontal cortex and force yourself to think something positive. So if it were easy to get what you wanted in life, Google would have already figured out an app. You would just type in, okay, I'm a student and I wanna go from being a student to being successful. And Google would tell you, go to college, then you get your master's, then you land this killer job, and then you put in a bunch of FaceTime while you're checking Facebook. Then you get promoted to manager and then you realize managing people kind of stinks and then you keep climbing the corporate ladder and then you start to wonder, well, how did I end up here? And then you wonder, well, is this what success looks like? You're like, no, I'm gonna go to Jay Hilburn. That's what success looks like. Um, so keep this in mind. If there's something that you want, like seven people or a trip to Africa or you're going to make it to Mexico in the pink shirt, I'm looking at you again, sir. I'm watching you. Um, and rooting for you. Uh, keep in mind this. Here you are. This is what you want. I spent a lot of time on lacrosse fields, although they don't really look like this. Um, you tend to think that what you want, you just march right towards it. But if in sports, you march right towards the goal, what happens? The defenders come in. And what the defenders are is it's your brain saying, ain't gonna happen. So the second you start moving toward that thing you want, be ready. You're gonna tell yourself you don't feel like it. You're gonna to have to force yourself. It's happening. There's no way to get around it. So what you're gonna to have to do is you're gonna basically get bounced around a lot. All over the place. And there are gonna be a lot of times that you feel like this was a really dumb idea to start this business because it's gonna get hard. And I wanna remind you about something. Unlike a sports field where there's an in and out of bounds, the great thing about life is there actually aren't any. And it's usually in those moments where you feel like you can't do it, that you're closer than ever to having everything that you wanted. And I wanted to show you this so that you keep it in mind because I think a lot of times when you look back, it's the darkest moments where you realize, holy cow, that's what projected me forward. Every single morning, Monday through Fridays at 9 a.m., I host a live call-in radio show on Sirius Satellite Radio. It's called Make It Happen with Mel Robbins. And the thing that's been so crazy about that show is every single person that calls me on that show, they call in because they're feeling stuck in their lives 
and they're resigned about their ability to change their lives. And I'm not talking about people that are nuts. I'm talking about successful people like you and me that just somehow got stuck in their lives. And I'm not talking about people that are looking for cheesy self-help. I'm talking about people that really want to figure out how to move themselves forward. And you know, I find that so many of us think that our dreams are unreachable or unrealistic, and it's just so sad. I mean, people think that their dreams disappear. And if that's what you think, congratulations, you're officially stuck. And the truth is that our dreams are always there and they don't ever give up on us, we give up on them. But here's the secret. If you just force yourself, and I mean force, because I know damn well none of you want to do anything about this, and I also know you're sitting there like, yeah, the self-help crap, this isn't for me. But if you just force yourself to take a couple small steps there's always a surprise. If you want more top 10 videos, they're not on this channel anymore. I have a dedicated channel just for it. Go check it out. The link is right there next to me. Continue to believe and I'll see you there.